passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody, welcome. To rewind a raw, it is John Pollock and waiting for a big week. Uh, uh, I guess it is. Is it really? It's It's a big week for him. Who? Uh, The uh, the song. That's all. Ah, yes, yes. It's been a while since since I had one of those loops. Sorry about that, everybody. It's okay. okay. Off my game. Everyone will collectively show's ruined. You. Dude, have you been outside? Yes, I have. Yeah, plenty of times today. It's really cold up here. It is super cold. It's cold everywhere. It seems yeah, like. it does seem like it. You go on Instagram and it's like half uh half the world. It's like they've they've never seen snow before. I guess many places don't often really see snow at this time, or at least in this volume. Every, everyone's getting it, it, it seems like. You know what the mm-hmm. new fad is that I'm I'm definitely getting tired of is people having to share their uh their cold plunges. I haven't noticed. This is that a new fad? Be, uh, it seems to be on my feeds. It is. What exactly is that? Just like a, a cold dip, like an ice bath type of thing? Yeah, people do it like in their backyard in the snow. It's like, look at me. I'm gonna get hypothermia. Oh. I'm like, okay, cool. Got to broadcast mm. this for me. It's like, c- congratulations. This is a great, great idea. Somehow I managed to stay away from it all. Well, that's smart. Smart. Yeah. How was your weekend? It was all right. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, not not that eventful outside of the the wrestling, I suppose. No, I wasn't assuming you had any kind of personal life aside from wrestling this past weekend. There was a lot of it to uh, to to tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What did you go out of your way to check out? Oh, obviously, Collision and Battle of the Belts, because, uh, you know, I did the post-show with Kate. Uh, and then after that, I caught about um, the second half of uh, Battle in the Valley. So the last three matches. That was a really, really great show. What would you say mm-hmm. of the matches you saw? What was the match of the weekend that you saw? Um, I would probably say Okada Osprey. Yeah. Um, 
and then followed maybe by Shingo and Moxley. But I also actually really enjoyed the street fight on Battle of the Belts as well. They did like a pretty great job of like I saw like this weekend. I I pretty much saw most most of all the the key stuff. I thought Moxley and Takagi was the match of the weekend. I I, I put that even ahead of Okada and Osprey. And really, I, I thought that uh, Keno and Goshi Ozaki that I know not as many people are probably going to see. Uh, that might have been my number two match of the weekend. Like Osprey and Okada was like two or three for me, which it was a pretty loaded weekend. That that trios match on Collision with FTR and Daniel Garcia against the House of Black was phenomenal. The X Division three way at Hard to Kill I thought was that was certainly the match of that show. And then yeah, you have the street fight on Collision that I mean, uh, you you and Kate went over it uh, very very well. I mean, it was sort of it is like very bizarre to be watching like just the um the efforts that are being that are going to like camouflaging this audience. And it's almost like it's, it's turning into like this weird game, like of almost like outsmarting the, the audience, or maybe just, I mean, how much of the audiences are they even uh, are really affected by it at, at this point. But regardless, like we're watching, like part of it is we're watching a match presentation, but the other half we're watching this sort of, promotional manipulation of its audience to get a desired reaction or at least um, temper uh, a reaction that we don't want. And it's, it's this bizarre viewing process. Very much so. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the end result of that particular match probably went about as well as they could have hoped for, you know, with, without um, having Jericho make a live appearance until the match um, really got underway. And, by that point, um, maybe this card wasn't really going to react much at all anyway. But I think they did, like, they had such a good match prior to that, that maybe that, that was already, you know, consuming the crowd. Whatever. Like, it's it, it's hard to say what the intent was, but I, I would say they left that show um, without controversy, I'll say. Yeah, I... I, I was not looking forward to the three-hour AEW block because I remember the last one, and it just felt like it was so long, like the three mm. hours. And that's what I was somewhat expecting on, on this one. But I've got to say that I, I thought Collision and that th- this was one of the better Battle of the Belts, primarily for the street fight. But mm. I didn't think the other two matches like wore out their welcome either. Um, mm. they, they were fine follow-ups. And the street fight. I mean, you would probably say like that. I mean, it's recency bias, but it might be like the most memorable match they've had on Battle of the Belts. It at least was the most um, um, involved and like high profile of a match when you are inserting a Jericho and having a match of that stipulation attached to it. That um, they've ever had in on, on a Battle of the Belts, I would say it. It seemed like Hobbs was a bit late too to getting to um, to Ricky Starks. And that was, uh, I mean, th- th- there was no margin for error on on that dive by Sammy Guevara. But yeah, I mean, in terms of a match itself, as you're grading it, I, I thought they did a really great, great job a- as well. On the TNA side, I guess the, the big news was Nick Nemeth showing up at the end of the night to attack Moose, who is now the new TNA heavyweight champion. We also got the arrival of Ash by Elegance, the former Dana Brooke, and those were... Um, the signings that um, Scott Demore, I think, could be the biggest signing in TNA history. Was there one specific? Uh, I, I I mean, we're assuming it, it was Nemeth that he was referring to, right? 
well or they're going to play it up that ash by elegance is like the tongue-in-cheek like greatest signing ever in tna history um i I don't think it i I think it's better to go with that that promise as a kind of a like a kind of like a gag for a heel rather than position nick nemeth who i with due respect to the man i wouldn't qualify as one of the top signings in tna's history Hmm. Honestly, um, as far as signings go, it was the New Japan show that I think, you know, had the most interest with uh, the the arrival of Jungle Boy, sorry, Jack Perry. Uh, Also, the announcement of Mustafa Ali joining the promotion as well. That's right. And John Moxley challenging Tetsuya Naito. So that Mm -hmm. Windy City Riot show is happening April 12th. This is at the Wintrust Arena. So that is a significant up. Like they drew about 2,100 people at the uh, San Jose Civic Center on Saturday like Wintrust Arena, you're you're talking thousands and, and thousands more uh, that this can seat. That I'm, I'm sure they're going to scale this appropriately, but they're at least throwing out like two pretty like this is a very big match, and odds are this will be an IWGP title match once Naito gets through his uh, his challenges. But uh, also Mustafa Ali and Hiromu Takahashi, which oh, uh, amazing. I mean, what what a run this guy is on. So after um, doing GCW this past weekend, he's going to be at a at a queen and uh roncesvale this week for uh for demand lucha and then he's off to ottawa for c4 on friday and i believe c4 show is sold out on friday so ali is uh look at this the independent difference maker taking full advantage of you know um getting out of the gate and and attracting a good level of buzz i mean good for this guy you know he this is him busting his ass trying to i i think build um uh, no, first of all, build off of that hype, but hopefully to build more hype, you know, for his impending uh, um, appearances in, in, across various promotions. And I'm very excited that um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's very quietly, but like these New Japan strong like U.S. shows have really built um quite the sort of roster you know that in many ways are more attractive than the new japan japanese you know shows that uh that I, that i've seen and this um windy city riot show is no different it, it, it feels like a big show should he maybe call this the retribution tour Ooh, <laughs> where he goes around um, and uh reclaims his uh his his cred probably best not to um remind people of that what did you think about the the angle, how it was executed with Jack Perry jumping Shota Umino? This was after the uh, the opening trios match on the pay-per-view portion of Battle in the Valley and our first appearance of Jack Perry since All In. And uh, he's gone all in on this beard as well. He sure has, yeah. I asked Hansi this on the show, but how close is he to, uh, um, uh, I guess, um, I don't know, uh, 20-something Dylan McKay with this look? Oh, his his bank account has just been liquidated by the the couple uh lucinda and uh the the guy's husband and uh, or her husband yeah so he's he's broke and this is jack perry <laughs> who's about to uh you know run into he's he's got to get a valerie malone now okay i don't get any of those references but i'm sure those of you who do yeah, uh, a pot smoking it. valerie malone that's that's what's <laughs> maybe maybe anna jay is going to be uh smoking some jay uh in the oh, walsh house at the end okay. of the uh the season premiere my god um so, I, I mean, I, th- uh, I thought it was a cool, like, move. And it was an un- unexpected move. You know, for one thing, um, I feel like um, AEW would have had Jack Perry re-debut on their own show to maybe gain the most benefit of everything that came out of, you know, All In. Uh, doing this, 
as almost like a sort of temporary, you know, um, delay before he finally returns to AEW is is an interesting idea. Um, and it, I think it does a better job of teasing that he is actually not a part of the promotion than maybe what they tried with Eddie Kingston when he got really upset at AEW and decided to show up in ROH as a rebellious move, which nobody really bought. I also like the fact that I don't think they have to go to the ends of the earth to try and convince people that he's really been fired by AEW. It's like Mm. no one needs to buy it, but I think people will be on board for understanding what this story is and be interested. And a cool thing that they have in their back pocket is he should be in some meaningful match at Windy City Riot. And that crowd in Chicago, perfect place for him to really be this heel that you want to like he's still i don't think upon leaving AEW or at least like back in the summer like he was on his way there but i think the idea here is that here is jack perry that this is where he can go like he's growing out the beard and it's sort of losing kind of like like the boyish image of jack perry and hopefully this gives him a more like hardened edge to him that you know new japan like this it's this would be so lost in the shuffle i feel in aew at the moment nor would he have the automatic people to work with that this is a good utilization of your partner and send it send the guy somewhere else where and then when he's ready you can use him in aew gives him a lot of potentially fresh matches as well you know and high quality matches just even this initial program with shota umino um seems like it could be really beneficial for both guys and it's it's quite exciting i really like this move for everybody yeah and uh just to mention like the final two matches at battle in the valley were just uh, like as we expected going in tremendous but dude this no dq match with shingo takagi and john moxley um i know okado osprey was your match of the of the weekend and and maybe i'm in more of the minority than some but i i thought this was just unbelievably great like the heat that they had and um oh it was just some of the near falls that they had the just total like violent aura that both men brought to this like i i thought like this was at points like delving into like that that swerve hangman level back at uh full gear didn't quite reach that for me but man i i just thought this was so laid out it was so laid out well and then when they gave the 25 minute warning i could not believe we were 25 minutes into this match uh when they announced it like it, it was just a pure adrenaline rush for 26 minutes and i really thought uh tom lawler had some some great lines in here, including but busting out the uh, the white Russian leg sweep when uh, Shingo Takagi hit one in, into the uh, the guardrail. He was thinking on his feet pretty quick with that one. I really like him as a commentator, actually. Um, I, in particular, really liked him for Bloodsport. Um, like the rare uh, times I've actually heard him call some of those matches, and uh, but even calling just a New Japan, you know, straight up match like this one, I I thought he sounded great. And then the Okada Osprey match. I mean, this this was like this is our farewell match, and we don't know when we're going to have a match again. And you got uh, Osprey kicking out of the Rainmaker, Okada kicking out of a Stormbreaker, and then um, you know when when it got down to to the near falls. I mean, this you had so much story and history behind these two that was all leading up to this, and then just like a really simple but dramatic end with the. The, the wrist clutch and then landing the landslide and then just one final definitive rainmaker to keep him down. And then the, the send off here with, with Osprey essentially just putting over Okada as the greatest ever. 
and then shooting the angle with the war dogs because you still had this cage match and dude, i thought osprey's promo at the end was just excellent like to mm-hmm. sell people on this cage match that uh the backyard wrestler in me is coming out on february the 11th so i i just thought really like this was an excellent show but these last uh two matches were just stellar stellar and with an awesome angle at at the end to set up this cage match for february i I think kingston gabe kid too you know to me really impressed me oh yeah it was a match on on paper that i wasn't necessarily expecting to be discussed as much as it was coming out of the show but i i really feel like gabe kid um like even just from what i i was watching of his in the g1 has really really kind of like stepped up and has really made a name for himself just based off of this like very wild intensity unpredictable intensity that i think meshed really well with eddie kingston in this brawl so um that's an anticipated rematch that they have too so there was a ton of great wrestling over the weekend but man was there a lot of it to keep up with and again like I feel like we we this this might feel unusual, but it's not going to be, John. Like this is going to be pretty a rare anyway. We'll never get something like this again. I mean, with all these like, shows, going I feel on like months. we might get one of these every two months. You know, what do you think of Jim Miller winning his twenty sixth UFC fight? Um, do, do we, how much time do we have on this podcast? You know, oh I boy, can, you can go three hours talking. He's about He's shooting that. his shot. He's fought at UFC 100, 200, and now he wants to fight at UFC 300 in April. And goddamn, this guy better get it after he's had 43 fights in the UFC, which is astounding. What's the record? Is that he's the got record? the record. He's <laughs> that's it. He's well, just adding to his the, own. The, the, the timing is perfect coming off of a win, you know, three months away from now. He, he's got to do 300 and then he could do 400 at this point. Wouldn't doubt it. He he could go another eight years. I think I think he'll be fine. Uh, so, some unfortunate news coming out of NXT, and that was on Friday night. Cora Jade had a match with Lyra Valkyria, and Cora Jade got injured during the match, and some photos were circulating afterwards. And then Dave Meltzer reported today that it appears that she has a torn ACL. I did ask and was told like the the torn ACL appears to be accurate. And I mean, typically with the torn ACL, that means surgery and probably like timetable is usually six to nine months we don't know what her timetable is going to be but if it's a full torn acl uh, that's going to be obviously months and months and she had just come back to tv in december so she had already had a couple of months off and was just coming back and in this program with Gigi dolan so obviously a big setback for her but that's uh another unfortunate injury happening at a never a good time but this is a time when there's a lot of momentum with, with, with the show and she was a key part of the women's division yeah yeah really unfortunate especially like at such a young age um i wonder if like she's getting to the point now where um they would consider having her just come back on the main roster you know just because um how much more she definitely like had more to achieve like you know in, in nxt but do you want to have her stay there for another year you know after coming back through through this long delay of this injury anyway or do you just want to redebut her on the main roster similar to like what they did with indy you know yeah i think that it's like when you look at like it it sort of feels like this powder keg at NXT where you're starting to see a lot of people getting ready. And it would seem Carmelo Hayes is kind of, you know, one one foot out the door at, mm. at this point, given his uh appearances on, on SmackDown. But they, they've been slow on it, a lot of them to get them up there. Like bro, no one bigger than Braun Breaker at, at this point, where I'm sure they have their timetable of when they're gonna wrap things up with him. But man, that guy has overstayed. Like there's there's no more that is needed for him. But I think the key is 
we don't want to be in the past where we're just throwing a guy onto the main roster and he's lost and we don't yeah. have a reason for it. But then you're throwing so many people onto TV on a routine basis at NXT that those numbers fill up very quickly. And you know, mm-hmm. you, you have all these people who they might enjoy NXT, but it's you know, it's it's a sizable financial difference being on the main roster. Yeah, we're we're sort of uh, especially now in January. I I there's there's really no point in bringing anybody up. I mean, other than maybe for the Rumble for a big appearance, but um, you could get some surprises in at, at the Rumble on. The but can you see side. anybody showing up in the Rumble and then having a substantial role on a WrestleMania, for instance? You know, no right. one is really going to get that sort of spot until after Mania. Um, so that's probably when you'll see a lot of this generation maybe get an actual role. The Vince McMahon series on Netflix, uh, we were speaking about Dave Meltzer. So he he shared that on Sunday, he did his latest interview for this series. He said he's done a bunch of interviews for it and said he has been asked about every subject imaginable as it pertains to Vince McMahon and that the release date, um, that it's coming sooner than people think, but couldn't uh, share a release date yet. But it it is coming. This is the Bill Simmons executively produced uh, documentary series that will be on Netflix and Vince McMahon obviously is going to be all over this thing as well. And just given the fact that, you know, someone like a Dave Meltzer is not just part of this project, but it's a, it's, it's a wide ranging list of topics. I mean, it, we, we will see what the finished prod, prod product has, but I guess where is sort of your thought process on what kind of a expose on Vince McMahon we are going to see. And do you see this diving into more kind of, hero worship with a bit of journalism in there or are you thinking like that maybe this will be a more balanced look than than maybe some would would think with wwe involved um hearing dave's you know um thoughts or or at least uh, his his comments about his particular interviews where they seemingly asked him about everything including you know a lot of the controversies that took place recently gives me a lot of hope um, but we also know that people can be asked about these things and have it not end up being in the edit. The fact that it's on Netflix gives me a bit more hope that it's going to be more honest because I think there's going to be a lot more criticism on it. There's going to be a bigger microscope on on something at that level, especially if you don't talk about the things that everybody wants to hear. Um, but that said, you know, like, for instance, the Beckham documentary, I think was honest to a, to a certain level. But even then, there were certain controversies that I, I, I hear from actual, you know, football fans that that they didn't necessarily touch on. Um, so I'm expecting honesty, but maybe not complete honesty in a deep dive the way you might see on like a, something like a dark side of the ring or something. Do you expect Vince like to this point on the record, all we have gotten out of Vince McMahon was that appearance on CNBC after the the announcement of the pending merger when they went on and it was it was very brief um like do you expect I like, do could, could you imagine Vince McMahon not addressing in some meaningful way the the allegations or like I'm not expecting some like deep explanation of them but like mm. how much is broached with Vince McMahon when it comes to that I'm expecting sort of like hey I made mistakes you know like that it was sort a of time that sort of thing yeah um that's about like what would you because that will come up very poorly if it is just considered like this is stuff that um like this is not something where you can just well it was so many decades ago i was young no this was happening you know yeah over the last 10 years 
Right, right. Yeah, um, I'm expecting that level of, of response. Um, I'm not expecting – like if this was a Vince McMahon from 20 years ago, the response might be these people are coming after me and I'm a victim. Like that would be pretty – if he played the victim card now off of something like this, that would be pretty you know, en- enraging and I think would be an awful look for everybody involved. But who knows, dude? It's Vince McMahon, I think, and we don't often – I don't know how often we've seen him in these sort of situations, at least not recently. So what what are your expectations? I mean, I'm open-minded to it. Like, I, I don't – like, obviously, it comes with the responsibility of trying to – like, I guess I'm I'm somewhat uh, looking at this no different than I would maybe like the Von Erich movie, that I mm-hmm. go in there understanding that there are going to probably be things that are going to be below my expectations, but I'm hoping for several – uh, s- surprises uh, in terms of like who is spoken to. They have access to everyone and that's good and bad. You're going to have people that are coming into essentially a WWE partnered documentary series that are going to be asked about Vince McMahon and are still going to have either a deference to Vince or a, a, a fear of stating the wrong thing. So I I have very little faith in performers or people that have worked for Vince McMahon um, speaking kind of objectively or even necessarily feeling that way. Like those have been the biggest apologists when it comes to Vince McMahon. Now let's also remember this is covering his entire life and, and, and career. And, and therefore um, as far as controversies go, it's not just go, you know, the, the, the only sort of taboo isn't just going to be what's happened to him over the past, I don't know, five, ten, five to 10 years. It's an entire lifetime of things of offenses that I think he might, you know, have to answer for. And and to what depth, I guess, you know, the... the oh, I think it's going to be very will... little way. Like, I, I think you'll cover... They'll cover the steroid trial, which, I mean, there's certainly a way that they will babyface themselves in that situation. And that will be sort of the, the victim card of the government coming after us. Um, a ton on the Monday Night War, I'm sure, where, again, it will be Big Bad Ted Turner and his checkbook coming after us. Um, the Attitude Era. How about the... Owen? Um, I don't think Owen gets covered in it, to be honest. Um, mm. that would be my, I mean, it's multiple episodes. I like, I can't say for sure. No. Um, I think there will be, I, I don't some, think you, if some Benoit of is not in it, I, I think Benoit will get criticism if that is omitted. Benoit might probably, I could see that, that being an omission. Um, and maybe their excuse would just be, you know, their decision to not recognize anything related to it at all. But mm-hmm. I can see like the, I can see Montreal, you know, being, being talked oh, about and, yeah. and maybe as, as an addition to that, like the, you know, talking about Owen as well. Um, but here's again, the deal. It's like all these topics I mentioned, it's not even so much. Will they brought up, will they be brought up or will they not be? It's how are they covered? Like, yes, they could bring up Benoit and you can give a very simple. That is not a simple story. That is not a 10 minute discussion. Um, Are they going to get into his TE ratio? Are they going into are they going to get into why he had a therapeutic use exemption? Highly doubtful. You know what I mean? But you can certainly couch it in a way like here's someone that we saw no warning signs for. And it was like, listen, I'm not Benoit is a whole different discussion, but it's like they can certainly present it in such a way that is very simple and can be check it off the box. We covered Benoit, but I'm kind of looking at like what this is an ability to go into a lot of stories with access to people and the person um, that rarely you're going to get to speak about this, but 
Like Vince well, how, how many episodes is this? I don't know how many the exact number is, but it's but even if it's like a 10 episode, which I don't believe it is, but even if it's a 10 episode series, you could only get into so much depth for any of these massive topics. That yeah. you could probably and a lot of it's going to be the celebration of Vince McMahon, the promoter. I mean, there is mm-hmm. going to be a ton of that. And I think the idea of this will be to like this being sort of a, a positive look at his legacy while including some of the warts along the way. But like, I'd be stunned if the name Rita Chatterton comes up in this, um, you know, like how far in the weeds I like, I, like, I'd be very stunned by that. That, that would be <laughs> shocking if, if that name came up, for instance. Well, I'll, I'll certainly say um, I, I think um, there's a lot more interest, obviously, in something in a project like this now than there was even when they initially announced it, just given maybe the the conclusion of the story that they seem to have now with the sale of the company to TKO and Vince seemingly taking a step away and just all the other controversies, of course, attached to him as well. So uh, Dave says sooner than people think is when this will be released. So. That has to be this year. Then. Go refresh right. Netflix. Five episodes. Right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about a different streaming service. That's Peacock, who had a really big weekend because of the uh, the NFL playoff game that they had on Saturday night with the Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins. So uh, Peacock paid $110 million for this one game for the national rights to the game. And it was going to air on the local affiliates in Kansas City and Miami, but for for the country, essentially, if you were not in those markets, you needed to buy Peacock and subscribe to get it. And this led to tons of revolt from media members to fans. Like, how dare you ask us to pay for this uh, streaming service? But I mean, this is just like, this is <laughs> where business is going. And this was a huge amount that they paid for it. And it looks like it paid off. They did a massive audience for this. They put out figures today of uh, an average of 23 million viewers for the broadcast. Now, let's remind people that the last disclosed number we got from Peacock was 28 million subscribers. That was back at the end of the third quarter of last year. So they had 23 million was the average watching this game and peaked at over 24. So you can just think in your head how many new signups were there over this last week for Peacock. It was like by far it's their highest number they've ever been at. And for those people that were signing up for this game, they have now got Peacock for at least a month. And that is going to put the Royal Rumble in that many more homes for these people to be able to have access to. And if there's one thing we have seen is that the, we have seen the increase in viewership for these PLEs when Peacock at the same rate is increasing its number of homes. So um, excluding that, that year that the rumble was on the USA network in 1988, this is going to be the most access that the Royal rumble has had in terms of homes and comes at a time when um, like that, that's really advantageous for WWE to benefit from this of people that have Peacock. And if you're someone that has just picked up Peacock, if there's one event that might uh, get your curiosity, the Royal rumble is pretty high up there that they're going to have access to that they wouldn't normally. Do you know of any perhaps cross-promotional efforts during this football game, maybe for the rest of Peacock's catalog, including Rumble? Just that that they weren't promoting a whole lot of uh, WWE at all on on the football game. But regardless, it's it's still people with access to Peacock. And I think Mm -hmm. at the very least, um, you know, it's people that are going to be on Peacock. And hey, it's in two weeks' time. It's you've got access to the Royal Rumble. So I, I do think it will mean something for 
already I think this was going to be the most watched Royal Rumble ever, um, especially on Peacock. And now you've got like we don't even know what the the updated number is, but I guarantee it's it's well above twenty eight million uh, at, at this. We'll point. find out so, if it's in a press release. Well, maybe uh, you know now that we have like a twenty three million number out as a comparison point, I think that all but guarantees WWE will never be releasing uh, the the specific numbers in in comparison to what the NFL is drawing. The UFC has postponed its card in Saudi Arabia. This was reported by Ariel Hawani on Monday's MMA Hour. So they were supposed to go on March 2nd for a fight night event. And Hawani stated that it's going to be postponed, most likely taking place in June. And it comes down to that the the people paying for the show, and this was a $20 million price tag that they paid for this fight night card. Uh, The card that was getting put together was not quite up to par of what they were expecting. So they're going to retool and go to June. Like this is not a logistical issue. This is not, this is just the card is not shaping up to be what they wanted. So it's very interesting when you look at that and think about like when you look at how important these Saudi Arabia cards are for WWE and why they load them up with all your key talent, um, like they are being paid double, more than double what uh, this UFC fight night is getting uh, being paid for. But it's just interesting to watch that in this era of these exorbitant amounts being spent for content um, that here's in theory, some pushback from the people paying for this, that this is not just going to be like your rank and file fight night card that we're spending $20 million on. We want a card of sufficient star power, like the biggest, um, uh, star that they had if you want it was like uh it was uh, um one of their flyweights that it was like not going to like carry the, this card and they had not announced the main event yet for this card but i mean just interesting that it didn't uh quite. are we gonna see yokozuna show up on this fight night you know he would have to get down to 265 and that would have been really <laughs> tough i mean th- there were several issues preventing uh, rodney anawahi from being booked for the saudi arabia card that is that is very interesting. I mean, in my mind, I didn't even know if, like, you know, at least as as it relates to the WWE offerings, I didn't even know if like the the Saudis had any real opinions about like what who was going to be on these shows, other than maybe having a Yokozuna, you know, show up or or some, something ridiculous like that. But clearly, I guess somebody is paying attention, and somebody in within that system um knows when a card is weak, and um I guess for twenty million there they were expecting better um yeah I, so I don't, the ufc has not officially announced this yet nor do i expect them to uh re- reveal that reason i'm sure there will be some <laughs> other uh thing attached to it but yeah they had a uh, M- muhammad mokayev was uh the name here he was fighting alex perez and like mokayev is like a really solid undefeated flyweight that'll probably be fighting for a title but not someone that's carrying a card like this i mean uh Eamon Zahabi might have been like one of the biggest names on the on this card. So that was uh, wow. and Eric Anders. So like this, uh, the the, um, the the fights they had announced here. I mean, this was just another fight night and was not going to be at the level of, you know, for a twenty million dollar card. So um, <laughs> probably June is what they're looking at. Um, the gift that keeps on giving the discovery process in the UFC antitrust suit. It revealed. Uh, this text message exchange between Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta. So this was uncovered by MMA Fighting. And this goes back to May of 2014. So at this time, John Jones is coming off his win over Alexander Gustafson and then had just beaten Glover Teixeira. And they're trying to get Jones to fight Gustafson in the rematch. And uh, part of their negotiations, I guess they weren't going smoothly because on uh, in May of 2014, Dana White texts his buddy Lorenzo. 
What's up with Jones? Did he straighten up or is he still being a scumbag? Lorenzo, still a douche, but we're inching closer. Haven't moved on money, but sent the letter with an ultimatum, which sounds great for an antitrust lawsuit. Haven't moved on money, but sent the letter with an ultimatum. White's response, awesome. Fuck that punk, Lorenzo. He needs to know we don't need him or he will fuck us over more than he already does. Now, Dana White was interviewed by the plaintiff's lawyer in the uh, the lead up to this case. And that was also part of the uh, the documents that were disclosed. And uh, White explained he was talking about him being a scumbag in life, not in the negotiations. He says, I mean, you could get pretty much every guy who works for me to testify that, yes, I was not happy with John Jones' life choices. And that's what he was meaning. A scumbag <laughs> in life. That really cushions the blow of what's always been a very... Um, like a concerned parent. Yeah, he's not a scumbag in the negotiations. He's a scumbag in life. Let me just, for the record here, so a wonderful relationship between Dana White and John Jones, at least at this time. Don't know what the current state of it is or after this uh, text exchange was released. But boy, I'm sure they're loving this discovery process. Yeah. Um, April I wonder is the uh, proposed trial to date to start, unless there is some settlement or delay. Okay, so... So does somebody have access to every text message that has been sent by? Not everyone. I mean, the documents that have been released, like some some stuff has been like redacted, but um, there's somebody out there is going through every text message that Dana has ever sent. I mean, there's a fair amount of it after. Um, I mean, whatever they had to turn over, they had to turn over. Wow. Could you imagine Dana White having to hand over like texts and uh for this process like this this Mm -hmm. lawsuit as much as they may want to like downplay um like it's got to be the ultimate pain in the ass to have to be dealing with and Mm -hmm. if this trial starts as it's supposed to on april 8th that's the beginning of fight week for ufc 300 both happening in vegas which is unreal so very exciting there you have it and uh we'll finish off with the the lineups for the next two nights tuesday nxt we have got a battle royal for the next title shot against lyra valkyria the title shot the the battle royal the final four are gonna have a fatal four-way match and the winner of that will advance to vengeance day next month in tennessee to challenge valkyria on this show valkyria and tatum paxley will take on lola vice and electra lopez and then Idris Anofe and Malik Blade are still advertised to take on Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. I guess if there's any issue with Carmelo Hayes, that will get explained. But mm. we haven't gotten anything beyond what the WWE put out on Friday night about him and Austin Theory. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow. And then Cruz Del Toro and Joaquin Wilde against Andre Chase and Duke Hudson. Dynamite on Wednesday, it's Samoa Joe and Hook for the AEW title. Christian Cage and Dustin Rhodes for the TNT title. And Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony defending the ROH six-man titles against Jay White and the Guns, along with an appearance by the Young Bucks. So that is happening in North Charleston on Wednesday night. Fantastic. Joe and Hook, are you uh, you expecting a a big outing here for Hook? Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, I I wonder how much like suplexing they'll allow Hook to get on Samoa Joe. You know, it's one thing to have Hook throw KM around, um, you know, several times on, on Dynamite. But man, Joe is somebody that I think they're going to be they're going to make Hook work a little bit more. This is probably the closest we'll ever get to Taz um, versus Samoa Joe. As far as I know, I don't think we ever saw that one. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. You know, uh, controversy or not well on that note i've been told i'm getting the hook and on the other side we will be reviewing raw 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It is 2024, and tracking technology from advertisers, ISPs, and hackers is getting more sophisticated than many of us can understand. Something you can do to give yourself a bit more peace of mind this year is to protect your browsing by investing in a trusted VPN like NordVPN. Voted Best VPN for Privacy of 2023 by Security.org, Nord is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. NordVPN is also something I use every day to access geo-blocked online streaming services like AEW+. By far the best way of watching AEW programming commercial-free with on-demand access to AEW's entire TV archive. But perhaps the most value I've gained from using Nord has been the ability to unlock cheaper prices to online content from other parts of the world. Plus, when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, you get four bonus months on top of all two-year plans. That works out to $2.88 a month, so it's already paid for itself several times over. Again, $2.88 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. Check the link in the show description. Sign up with code postwrestling, get yourself some bonus months, and let NordVPN know you found them through us. Very well done, John. Oh, I'm I'm on top of things, Way. I am. You know what I started over the weekend? I finally uh I, I got Apple TV Plus and I'm watching mm-hmm. uh Pillars of the Flower Moon, the uh oh. Scorsese film. So I am I have sat through it well, I have had two sittings so far, and I still have just over an hour left to go. There is not a prayer I I could have watched this in one sitting in a movie theater. It's three hours and like twenty some odd minutes you're watching this like it's a a series you know kind of like i'm breaking it up into like 90 minute chunks it's uh it's really good i'm enjoying it a lot but man it is like that is is testing the limits of so how do you know stop you just stop when you have other things to do or do you just say i'm gonna wait until this scene ends Um, well tonight it was uh this is the latest i can start raw and uh that was my break so okay I've I've got raw down to a science. That's somewhere. your kickoff to raw, Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. What a lead in. Amazing. Okay. Well, tonight's raw was in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Even though uh, the North was uh, just uh, thrown out here at the Simmons Bank Arena, uh, Russell Tips reporting over sixty one hundred tickets out, and we get a big shot of the snow outside of the Simmons Bank Arena. It was cold in Arkansas on Monday night. It was some, you know, production assistance job to pile all the snow out right in front of the sign just to get the shot, just to Great let us know if you can have yeah. it. And tonight was the show where they were up against uh, not just the NFL playoffs, but you had the Iowa caucus going on uh, that I'm sure way was a double screening. And uh, yeah, this, this rod, I mean, this, this football game, last year's football game, the, the playoff game did over 30 million viewers. So that's that's like the ballpark of what they could be up against on top of the the news coverage tonight so really tough night uh for, for raw but we will see how it holds up and cody rhodes comes out to start the show and starts to talk about the royal rumble coming up and why he came back to wwe but he's cut off by drew mcintyre and he states how both grew up in wwe they took similar career paths and you know what cody i'm proud of you you know we once held the tag titles together it's like you did 
<laughs> like I'm I'll take his word for it. And he says, do you remember our name? He's like the dashing ones. I'm like, okay, I, I believe him. This is such a blur to me. He, I mean, they were kind of making fun of it, you know, like Drew was like, yeah, it's true. Google it, you know, like who, what a weird trivia note. And maybe it just kind of tells you how, um, I don't know, irrelevant, um, the, the, the tag titles were maybe at, in that period. And Cody himself felt like a, a tad of embarrassment, even saying this name, but it was a really fun little callback, yeah. you know, making remember when I was the chosen one and you were dashing. So together yeah. we were the dashing ones. <laughs> I like Dash and Cody Rhodes. He said both men had to leave WWE to succeed, and they redefined what it meant to work on the outside, and then you get the call back from WWE to return, and said that my last match before coming back here was against you, Cody, and you called me a future world champion. And he says that, Cody, you are going to finish your story, but not before I finish mine. Cody mentions all the different people in the Rumble that could win. You can't count anyone out. And Drew, uh, he says that uh, Drew cuts him off stating, Cody, I wish you'd just be more like yourself. You don't have to be wearing these suits, using all these big words. You're not running for office and all this smiling. I used to do all this same stuff. And Cody says, this is not an act. I smile because I love this. I made my opportunities and I'm grateful. Unlike you who just complains. Drew proceeds to complain about Cody bringing Jay over to Raw endorsing CM Punk, even though he knows his history and says that Cody, you are standing in my way. No one can stop me. And Cody says, I'm going to give you something to complain about at the rumble. And regarding our last match that we had before you came back here, who won on that night at what culture pro wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, did not mention that, but, um, that would have been something, right? That's right. If it was AEW, I don't, I wonder if, if they would have, um, even brought it up honestly but um i thought this was a very good segment and and continues a string of really excellent drew mcintyre promo segments i mean he does feel he's not a main character but he's really approaching that level of status and certainly mm, to me feels like um somebody i'm talking about all the time no matter what part of the show he's on and they teased another really interesting pairing here for drew with cody rhodes now um this to me felt more like a rumble tease rather than an individual match tease. And now maybe we can retroactively even look at the CM Punk Drew McIntyre tease and ask, was that a tease for a match itself or was it just more build for a rumble? Nonetheless, these are programs you can get to in singles capacities at any point. And I'm sure they'll have, you know, interesting interactions within the rumble themselves. So in, in, in that sense, I thought it was a very successful build for the rumble match itself. Drew continues to impress me because I don't think he ever cuts the same promo twice in every sort of relationship he has with a different member of the roster he finds a different sort of relationship and with cody it's um he's almost trying to pander to cody here where um he's trying to talk him up saying we have very similar career path you should be on my side essentially not unlike what i thought cm punk was trying to do to drew last week in trying to say hey i left the company so did you why are you mad at me Except in this scenario, I thought it worked a lot better for Drew because he's a heel and therefore pandering feels a lot more natural for a heel to do. I thought Cody, though, like returned the volley in a much more sort of authentic and mm, successful way than CM Punk did last week. In my opinion, Cody like basically said, yes, we are similar in the way we, we left, but that's where sort of our similarities end. 
I am grateful for my second chances while you've done nothing but complain about yours, which I thought was just a, a wonderful retort that I think matches up completely with their character histories. I had no problems leaving this segment feeling like Cody was the baby face and Drew was the total heel here. Unlike many of Drew's other interactions in the past where I think Drew makes such a good point sometimes that I'm left feeling a bit more sympathetic to him than, you know, let's say a CM Punk. Um, but I also love beyond that, the sort of uh, references to the past, whether it be with the the, the, the the dashing ones or their history outside of the WWE, which um, this felt almost like one of the more blatant sort of references to a match taking place outside of this company as being something significant, you know, so it maybe you you can chalk that up to part of the philosophical change as well. But I thought a very good segment. What about you? I I would say. To you, that to me, Drew does feel like a a main player on Raw, and I would go so far as to say I I think he is like a, a dark horse that could end up winning this Rumble. Um, because I think the idea of Rollins and Punk being your guaranteed one on one match at Mania, I think you have to leave it for the caveat of Drew being being involved in this. I mean, in there's, a three capacity, yes, mean? in some form, yes. Um. Now you still have the the question of his contract that is like up in the air, uh, like uh, what the details of that are. But I mean, he's certainly being treated like a guy that isn't going away anytime soon. And I like it would not stun me to see this guy being like like a dark horse pick that is up there with like your punk or your Cody to win this rumble. They've they've done at least a viable job that there is a a reasonable path to victory that you could see him being in the title picture for WrestleMania. They they obviously have done three ways for, you know, a WrestleMania title main event. I just, I feel like a Punk Rollins straight match, if you're going to have those two involved in the title picture, it feels so much more attractive than, you know, as good as Drew is, maybe injecting him into the story. But you do have to ask, like, what is the direction for Drew? If, you know, that, if, if, if Punk at this point is going to be taken up, Rollins is going to be taken up, Punk, or sorry, uh, Cody. And, and do you, you know, want a heel dynamic up? in there that Drew brings to that equation? Uh, that would, I guess, be beneficial for both Rollins and, and Punk. But now, if if not th- that scenario, what do you see for Drew at Mania? I mean, if if he is out of the title picture, I mean, it kind of derails him from what his whole story has been about trying to get back to this title. So, I mean, but he's already failed. To, it would have to be someone that he blames for eliminating him from the Rumble. Like you're you're talking about someone that that's just coming out of left field. It. Like Gunther doesn't seem a direction for him given this character now. Um, They've kind of already done Sammy and Jay, but they can always reheat those back up. You know, Jay sort of is like the big opponent for him, but they, they, but I was kind of surprised they just did that match on TV. And you do have the story of Drew taking out Sammy um, backstage. Mm -hmm. Only Sammy did come back at the house show, which we, promoted on television and then got the staples so um well if you never got her maybe he would have never had those staples okay our truth is in the back selling bootleg judgment day shirts with his name attached uh, at the bottom and priest tells him to stop selling this it's like uh he should go to he should complain to wwshop.com where i believe this is like one of the hottest sellers of the week so i don't know how bootleg they are wwe shop is, is getting in on the game do you think Judgment Day is getting uh, the, this level of royalties that Truth was scoring here with these bootleg shirts? Um, what do you mean, like in story or or what? I mean, I I, I don't know if uh, I think I think he's taking a bigger cut here of the of the the profits on this than probably he would be getting in his royalty check for 
what you get on a, being the fifth name on a on a t-shirt i i don't know well we don't know exactly how much money he handed to damian priest here well priest sees the money and uh i, I love like this this ongoing like thought like these guys are just like they're mesmerized by like a couple hundred bucks or like oh my god this didn't look like a couple hundred bucks to me, John. Like this, this looks like a, like a stack of a hundreds. Okay, this might this, probably at least like five thousand dollars in this. Okay, well, uh, which which makes me wonder, like exactly how much business Drew was uh, or Truth was doing out in the parking lot, if he's able to make like theoretically, I don't know, twenty G's off of these T-shirts. Yeah, why is he wrestling then at this point? Just sell merch. Oh God, yeah, it's cold out tonight to be a. Uh hustling and selling these shirts so Priest sees the money and he says okay we'll keep selling them but just don't be too loud and don't tag into the match tonight when uh truth and miz take on priest and balor and truth is thinking this is all a a a plan and he's like speaking in code so he gives drew uh or he gives priest a wink here yeah Mm -hmm. setting up um a potential interesting interaction for the match tonight they're focusing more now on truth and priest specific relationship in they're showing priest warming up to drew or sorry to truth a little bit mainly through money here but um i do like how honorable like they show truth in something like this yes he's kind of like you know infiltrating his way into the group but he seems to really believe that he that the group is his family even cutting you know equal portions you would think to every member of the group except for jd of course so it's going to open up um i think that much more heartbreak whenever they do turn on him in a in a full way um maybe opening the way for a baby face like uh damien priest to save the day nothing but like a little embezzlement in your baby faces and then extortion to buy loyalty out of your friends i mean that's 10 it tends to be how it works yes Dominic and JD McDonough against DIY. You want to know uh, your your definitive proof that uh, Vince McMahon and, and Kevin Dunn are not being heard anywhere among uh, Michael Cole? Notes: bit of a light crowd tonight due to the snow. <laughs> right, you're yeah, but- absolutely right, and I I'm, I was surprised by that because it didn't look any different to me like than usual they dressed up the crowd really well and they darkened the right areas that i didn't notice any difference yeah and they and they were making again it was like 61 out but i mean you could imagine like a portion of that not even showing up depending on how bad it was out which i mean it was similar weather to what we have here so i mean it's not like uh it's not like people were handicapped by traveling so did they have more snow though like was there bigger snowfall um I mean, there, I mean, there was snow. Obviously, like it affected some because they were. Uh, I saw, I saw some pictures. Like they, they got like a pretty big snowfall. Right. Well, maybe they're less equipped for it. It's just not as tough as we are. <laughs> That's it. So, uh, Champa and Gargano are taking on Mysterio and JD McDonough, and uh, they get the heat on Gargano for a long period of time. He makes the tag, but the referee doesn't see it. So they continue to wear down Gargano until he, <laughs> until he lands a, uh, a slingshot spear and they go to the commercial break and we get the hot tag during the commercial break. So we come back and Chompa's mm-hmm. in the ring after all of that selling. And uh, well, but felt missed time to me. They don't usually do this, you know? Yeah. This was a rarity. So, mm-hmm. There's a double team power bomb back suplex onto Dominic. JD's making the save. And then JD hits a top rope moonsault to Ciampa, but gets super kicked by Gargano, breaking up the cover. Gargano holds a 619 from being hit by Dominic and then uh, is nailed with a 
knee from Champa, sending him to the floor, and then it's a meet in the middle onto McDonough, and they win in 18 minutes and 14 seconds, two commercial breaks during this match. Yeah, I thought it was a really good tag team match. I thought JD and Dominic were great in the match. Every heel trick they were attempting seemed to work really well with the crowd. And DIY to me, like they, this was the most NXT level that I feel like I've seen them as a tag team on the main roster. They had the crowd with them. They had a great pace and and, and, of action, and um, like it felt, it felt strong, and they felt like it, you know, an, an actual top top tag team for once, and maybe it helped that it was so early on in, in the show because um this card certainly had the energy for a long match. Yeah, they got a, they got a lot of time, and that's where DIY is going to shine. So they're at least trying to build them up for at at, at the least a a television title match with mm-hmm. the Judgment Day at some point. Earlier today, Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae met with Adam Pierce to inform them it's our year. And Piper and Chelsea come in and Green complains about referee Eddie Orango counting too slow last week and wants a rematch. But Pierce says that was your rematch. You blew it. So you can face Indy and Candice tonight. And uh, that's what we, we have got coming up next. And there is a video on Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Just to remind you who these two are. They won the tag titles in NXT. But it's a different story on Raw, they note. But we've made changes. And this year, we're doing it our way. We're doing it ourselves uh yes Mm -hmm. combining sort of like the everything our way do it uh yes Mm -hmm. so the referee is eddie orango so this is like brock lesnar getting steve mazagati luck of the draw it's just how it works i thought it would play into the finish i guess maybe maybe they can make some complaint about the referee um, perhaps they'll, they'll have something here. Um, although I, I didn't sense anything, uh, green came in and, uh, hit a code breaker. And then this is after Candace hit a bunch of, uh, sentons to, uh, Piper Niven and then Niven slams Hartwell green comes from behind, tries the unprettier, which is blocked. And then Indy holds green for a cabrata from Candace LeRae, who looked like she nailed Indy coming down here and they win in three and a half minutes. And this is their year. Indy Hartwell and Candace LeRae one and oh. That's how you start, right? I, I I thought the crowd was pretty dead for this one, and I I don't think there's enough interest really in anybody outside of um really anybody. You know, maybe I, I was gonna say outside of like Chance and, and Carter. Last week's match, like with Chance and Carter versus Piper and, and Chelsea, like had a really good reaction, but none of the the women's tag team matches tonight I've thought received really that great of a uh, connection with, with the, the audience. And it, it required, I think these matches to maybe be that much more impressive to grab hold of, of the audience. And neither of them were, were at that level. Unfortunately, um, I still have a lot of doubts about Indy Hartwell being like capable of like delivering at this level, because I, I did still sense a, a bit of sloppiness in, in the match tonight. So how many, how many tag teams can we send to a coffee shop to have coffee together to get further definition to their characters and chemistry? Can all of the women's <laughs> tag teams go out for coffee like Butch and Pete Dunn or Butch and Tyler Bate? Um, I guess it depends on like what character is within the performers, you know, like maybe a coffee shop can unlock it. But if there's really nothing there, then they can't really do it. You can tell a lot by the type of beverage someone someone orders at a cafe. Yes. Mm hmm. 
Then there's a video for Nia Jax proclaiming this to be her division. We cut to Judgment Day. Ripley's pissed, and she has to go address my division. So Priest walks in. He spoke to Adam Pierce about Drew running his mouth, and JD wants to beat up our truth But Priest tells him, maybe you should focus on what happened tonight so that doesn't happen again. Balor says, are you defending our truth He's like, I'm not, but says that he at least earns for the crew and shows the money that he got from our truth JD asks, do I get a cut? Priest says, no, you're an independent contractor and your name isn't on the shirt and tells Balor they got to focus on their tag match tonight. Continuing to, um, I guess, make JD hate truth that much more and maybe even sowing some uh, seeds of dissent here between Priest and the rest of the group. And then, ladies and gentlemen, did this entrance, this introduction for Gunther was the best Ludwig Kaiser of all time. Like he's waited three weeks for this one. It was tremendous. <laughs> I mean, these two should never be separated. No matter what teases they do, Gunther without Kaiser, it's just, uh, it would be uh, such a drop off. Have you seen this photo of the, the two of them? this young <laughs> i have not seen this oh my goodness like these two are like so i, I for people watching on video i just pulled up a, a photo of the two of them with what like it looks like they're teenagers here you know i didn't know this relationship went this far back but. yeah dude dude uh walter had some interesting like hair choices when he was uh he was younger look at him uh mm, suits him the ring general <laughs> yes this is like uh, Conor McGregor meeting Chuck Liddell and Chuck looking scared for his life. Have you ever seen that one? <laughs> I have not, actually. Oh, boy, if you, uh, if, you, if you care to peruse. So Gunther comes out. He detects desperation around here with the Royal Rumble coming up. And he sees everyone arguing over who's going to win the Rumble. But he's here to remind everyone that I entered number one last year and I made it all the way till the end. I was one elimination away from winning. And the whole crowd starts chanting, Cody says, I lasted longer than anyone in history. This year, I'm going to win it and headline WrestleMania. And then he congratulates Kaiser for taking out Kofi last week. It's a side he's wanted to see. And out comes Xavier Woods. He's got a problem with Kaiser, challenges him to a match. And that's what we've got here. He's coming for, uh, Kaiser says he's coming for Woods' head. So we get Ludwig Kaiser versus Xavier Woods with his head at stake. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good enough setup. Uh, anytime you have a match for a head, I mean, every everybody wants it. Well, this was much better than uh, Al Snow and Scorpio teaming up in 1998. <laughs> Kaiser is in control, and Woods runs his shoulder into the post, and then Woods hits a spinning DDT into the ring, fires up with chops, does get the crowd behind him, and then he sends Kaiser to the floor, drop kick through the ropes, and sends Kaiser over the desk, and we get the, the return of the office chair, which Woods has scouted. He ducks the office chair, and then he takes the chair, drops it onto Kaiser. This is a DQ. So throwing it at a man's face, that is not grounds for a DQ because he missed. He he ducked. So intent well, yeah. is not going to get you disqualified. Only only violence. You and can bring a pistol to a match. If you shoot somebody and they you manage to miss, then it, you know match continues. It's not. What, what's this attempted attempted murder? No, it's it's one or the other. And uh, so the DQ is called in 10 and a half minutes. Uh, can't say this had the reaction of, uh, of Gabe Kidd and Eddie Kingston being left without a winner. But Woods grabs a chair and uh, drop kicks it into Kaiser's face. And then Woods ends up getting placed into the step. So we get the idea that he's going to do the same attack he did on Kofi. But this time Woods stops him, grabs the steps, misses Kaiser, and Kaiser runs away from Woods. 
Well, um, maybe maybe not the same sort of um, feeling as, as Kid versus Kingston, but I thought this turned out really well. You know, this, for one thing, was some of the most fire I've seen out of a New Day member in a long time. At some point in this match, Xavier Woods gets his mouth or lip busted, and it just added to this wonderful shot of him, mouth full of blood, hair just like going crazy, and him just losing it on this guy who tried to, you know, take his friend out in um, in Xavier uh, in Kofi Kingston. So I thought it was like a nice little, little turn in the story where, I mean, the chain of events is Vinci gets hurt by Kofi by accident, which drives Kaiser to go insane by throwing chairs at uh, Kofi and taking Kofi out. And that in turn drives Woods insane. And um, he nearly takes Kaiser out. So violence begets more violence, everybody. That is the story here. Chairs, office chairs begets more office chairs. But as a way to spark somebody like an Xavier Woods into, I don't know, like a heightened level of, of intensity and aggression, which I've been waiting for the long day for or, or waiting for the new day for years now. I, I thought this resulted in a, a positive turn for everybody. Maybe this will lead to opposite day where new day has to come out as Imperium and Imperium is new day. I, I could do without um dress up from the new day for a while. I mean, seriously, what about, like, they call it old day. I could do without any sort of silliness from the new day. Like yeah. uh, we've been waiting, we've been waiting for them to get serious for a long, long time. Gone through that trombone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then we have the most interesting promo on the show. We go to Bronson Reed. He says, "Someone's title is going to belong to me sooner than later." That was and it. Luck, Not what it, like could be any title. It could be anywhere it could be any person it could be, god knows what he's going for here and this was like um and he got a suit and a chain for all this did up his hair and he got five seconds here what's your mission statement someone's title will be mine who could he be possibly going for i guess is what you're left wondering um i would suggest it's i the mean cheese it title that agent <laughs> francis has been walking around with. Yeah. uh that would be quite the um quite the un- un- unexpected um, cha- um challenge now um uh, just logically speaking i mean there's only one baby face that's that's holding a, a singles championship that we can expect him to go for and that would be rollins i don't expect him to go like he could go for gunther could go for roman i suppose could go for logan paul but those seem far less likely um yeah i i would say probably unlikely you you have to imagine like could they be building up for something for him at Elimination Chamber in Australia. Yeah. In, in Australia. Like, it would make sense that he would have a pretty prominent role on that show. Mm-hmm. But it would be a leap to imagine him him and Rollins on, on that show. Um, but I, I would think he's, he's going to be figured prominently. Chamber would make sense, yeah. Then we had Saxton with Xavier Woods, and uh, he gets attacked by Kaiser again, but this time Jay Uso interjects, and uh, Jay Uso just has nothing going on until we get to the Royal Rumble. So it's just, um, he's around. He's an extra hand to, you know, someone, a babyface gets attacked. I'm there to help. Well, I mean, they have some history here with uh, Woods. Yeah, just like he, you know, kind of defended Kofi. Um, Didn't defend him well enough, uh, evidently, last week, but... um... You know, he he does have history with Woods, and I do like the at least that they're giving him something to do um, before the Rumble. I mean, Cody, like even brought Jay up as somebody who's an actual candidate to win the Rumble. And I'm like, have you been watching Raw? Jay has nothing. He's had no real storyline whatsoever. What chance do you think he has? So this is something at least. You should be the voice in Drew's head to give him his his comeback really? lines. Mm-hmm. 
Then it was time for Akira Tozawa against Ivar. So Ivar immediately drops uh, Tozawa and yells, You're a little man. I told you. And then he starts pie-facing him in the corner. Tozawa comes back with a spinning roundhouse kick. And then a pop-up is turned into a DDT. Tozawa tears off his shirt, runs into a spinning slam. And then as Ivar climbs for the doom salt, Maxine gets onto the apron to distract Ivar. And it leads to a sunset bomb by Tozawa, who pins Ivar in two minutes. Afterward, Valhalla attacks Maxine, just runs her over. Ivar lands a spin kick on Tozawa and then hits the doom salt crowd reacted pretty big for this uh, upset win here and um for like a i don't know five minute undercard part card program i thought it was it was fine two minutes let's not give them too much two minutes i'm sorry uh this so tazawa beats ivar to set up gable versus ivar well ivar's beat notice lost to tozawa so now this is this is the rubber match and then what does he try to uh, get the win back from Tazawa at the end at WrestleMania? No, then, then then he'll face uh, Maxine. I think we are building to maybe like a mixed tag match at some point. <laughs> then he'll face. Okay, so you think? Yeah, not a Ivar and match. Maxine would be. Um, yeah. That would be. Something. I'd love to see a Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex on Ivar. From we Maxine. haven't seen Maxine since the Rhea Ripley match, so she's got um, your worst match of the year. She's got her comeback coming. So it's announced that next week CM Punk is coming to Raw and he's challenging Cody to meet him face to face or at least respond to his story on Instagram. And uh, that's coming up next week. The main event face to face. CM Punk and his Instagram stories, you know, like what a a tool he has not used in, in quite a bit um, to build to a feud. And this one that we're actually going to maybe even see a payoff to. He attached a song to this. He attached Midnight Rider. Oh, okay. As well. He's clever. They're not. Alpha Academy is with the Creeds. They're all concerned about Tozawa. Ivy Nile walks in. She's going to speak to Pierce. Valhalla will pay for this. And then Gable calls Ivar a coward. Next week, he's going to teach him a lesson. Rhea Ripley walks out. She is sick and tired of people like Nia running her mouth, claiming this is her division. It's my division, my title. And she warns any winner of the Rumble not to waste. She said not to waste their WrestleMania choosing her it definitely seemed like she just had a, a brain freeze here but uh, yeah. it ended here essentially don't waste your your shot on me go go for the smackdown champion becky lynch comes down and explains that we are two different people with similar paths from foreign countries that came here to be the best we were afterthoughts after a wrestlemania but then we came back to win titles at the event the difference is i headlined wrestlemania but you and i are the two very best to do it but I have this voice in my head that keeps stating that you might be better than me. And I need to prove that you're not. And therefore I have to take your title. And to do that, I have to win the rumble. And Ripley just responds. The only person that wants you to win the rumble more than you is me. I'll see you at WrestleMania. And uh, with that, they said, we're canceling the women's rumble. We're just going to go towards this. Now we're going to save everyone weeks. (laughs) <laughs> We're just going to announce this now for night one. They pretty much did this, right? I mean, it's one thing for like you know a, a challenger to say I'm going to win the rumble and I'm going to see you at WrestleMania. It's another for like the champion in the same segment to say, yeah, I you you will see me at WrestleMania. I'm going to see you there too. So um, it would be another thing I think if they set up um, I think a viable challenger from anybody else. But they I would do say have other- Naya. Like it was not. 
like Naya is kind of the the background player here that Becky does need to get that win back sometime before now and Mania. Well, that was the other thing too. But but I I just think it's a different level when you have an in-ring interaction with the champion and the champion saying, I'm gonna see you at WrestleMania. Like how it was, was a great a- segment, and it's the match that I mean this I, I thought they set this up really well. I we could have done this in like three weeks' time, but yeah. we're doing it now. But it's okay. But I think the Nia timing kind of maybe mm, makes Becky's argument a little bit flawed to me too. Like she's here saying how, you know, you and I are we're the, the two, two best. best. Yeah. When Naya has clearly like bested you, Becky, and and um, you know Becky's only consolation is that she didn't go to the hospital this time after losing the Naya and being busted up. So it it, it kind of um, I think she needs to at least address the Naya loss in a in a in a way that made it feel like it was her path to proving that she could be better than Rhea Ripley here. This just seemed to almost like ignore it completely. This will be like uh, if Israel Adesanya gets into the cage and Drickus Duplessis wins on Saturday, and we're just going to overlook the fact that Adesanya, man, you just got shut out by Sean Strickland in your last fight. So um, that, Exactly. That. Yes. I know that's what you were thinking. Uh, but this was a good segment. I mm-hmm. maybe, like, this did feel like a segment that should be following, like, the last obstacle in Becky's way being cleared, and now it's a clear path to yeah. mania. But um, nonetheless, I, I thought it was a good promo. Jackie Redman interviews Seth Rollins. Dude was like breathing like heavy here. Like you, Jackie even said, I can see your breath. It is very cold out here. I was like, were they filming this in like outside? Like, where were they? Is there no like heating in the Simmons Bank arena? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm simply guessing it was that cold in the backstage area. We, we missed it earlier. They did the, the arrivals of Jinder and Seth. And the first time that we saw, um, Rue, their child on television, at least, uh, I, I do not recall seeing, at least uh, a focused upon shot like this same yeah yeah to, to my knowledge certainly so um i think building for uh wrestlemania 60 starts oh, now wrestlemania 60 okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. could see it happening nil um so seth says this is not the same jinder mahal that he beat to become the nxt champion this is the best version of jinder mahal and a deserving version it's like wait a minute wait a minute last week you said the guy claimed he was overlooked and your response was you're overlooked on purpose because we're trying to forget about you after the rock put your balls in a vice. <laughs> but this week he is now the greatest version of Jinder Mahal. This is a mega match. I mean, it was ridiculous. Tell me Tony Khan booked this uh shift without telling me. <laughs> I mean, this, this was, it was a bad promo from from Rollins, like you know, pure and simple. I mean, I I think you could tell Seth even d- didn't even believe in his own words here because he just to me felt like it felt like he was relying on a shtick and catchphrases to get through the segment without necessarily having good justification for the actual question. Um, I think that's our new decoder for Seth of how invigorated he is with his material of how yeah. much he leans on the character versus punk or drew where that's all out the window mm-hmm. and what comes across much more authentic um totally. and this was one where there isn't a whole lot of meat on this bone and it's Ha-ha! but why even why even pose the question you know if they did if they didn't have a good answer to to come up with for why Rollins granted gender this match you know this just seemed to like i don't think tony came across that well throughout the entire sort of online interaction but this was the type of response that kind of proved tony right like gender has no justification being in the spot you know the the man hasn't um 
I had a singles win. It's not the, the same year. gender I beat over a decade ago. And what has he done? <laughs> yeah, since? what has he done since? What has he done since 2017? You know? Yeah. So, anyway, that was our promo. It wasn't great. Finn Balor and Damian Priest against R Truth and Miz. This is more just like the, the, the interplay between R Truth and Damian Priest. Truth dumps his money all over the ground and then hands it off to Balor for his cut and then to Dom, but won't give any to JD because he's not in the group. So, Balor and Truth start the match. And he's beating on Truth. He's stomping on him. And then Truth rolls to the floor and he's yelling at Priest. He's like, he's really hurting me. And he winks at him like, this isn't part of the plan. Miz would get the tag after the break. And he screams massive balls as he goes for the skull-crushing finale. Balor stops it. Truth hits a scissor kick to Balor and apologizes. Drops JD off the apron. And then Priest nails Miz. And Truth is behind Priest. And he winds up, but he won't punch him. And then... It causes Balor to go for a roll-up, but Truth gets out of that, and Truth has to get hit with the South of Heaven by Damian Priest. And Priest does look regretful that he had to go to this, and Balor pins Truth in 8.02, and uh, the look of Damian Priest, he felt bad. Yeah, so I guess, uh, again, continuing to maybe deepen the, the Priest and Truth connection there, I thought the match was disappointing and maybe even a bit of a failure to me because i don't think the crowd reacted as, as much as I, as you would expect um i thought it was also confusing having this layout coming off of the setup that they had with the priest and and, and um uh truth interaction where the announcers tried oh, to cover for it but i thought it was like really weak to like you're right so, it just it didn't it, it there wasn't any connective tissue to the promo a, that that they had set the story up for yeah, Priest had told Truth to not tag in, yet they start the match off with Truth already in there getting beaten up by Balor as if it was almost a straight match. And then in no part of the interaction did you even have Truth like play with the idea that he wasn't going to tag in. And I I think it just maybe confused me personally about what the connection was between the opening segment and this match. And I think it confused the audience too. Like Miz's hot tag was completely flat because I think you're kind of left not really even knowing or wanting either team to win coming off of this. Like there's no Miz was just a spare part in this match that has no connection to the story beyond like being with truth. And yeah, so the announcers cover by stating that, well, truth was told never to tag in. They never said anything about don't start the match. Like, okay, is that fine? But where's the drama here? Like the only reason you do that segment prior was to set up the the story and the drama of this match, and you had nothing uh, as a result, or just to make Truth look dumb, like he screwed up the plan. But it was you're right. Like there was no um, like build to this that like yeah, it to me no fun in it. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. and I think the audience responded as, as such. This was not one of the better. Our uh, truth weeks for someone that has been a pretty fun character in this in this whole mix. Jinder is meditating and is uh, awoken by Jackie. He has absolute clarity after a seven year drought. He is the most talked about star of 2024, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> everyone is divided, but his focus is singular. Everyone is unified when he beats Seth Rollins and becomes champion. So, um, so so this guy, um, maybe he's going to be a third party candidate this year in the election. It's gonna unify um, left and right. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, campaign to unify, perhaps. Yeah, I, I thought it was a clever little promo from Jinder here. You know, making reference to um, everything that's been going on online without explicitly stating so. Like this. Now, is is there a lie there? Like, can he actually be 
can we consider him <laughs> the most talked about star of 2024? No, 2024. we cannot state that. That sounds ridiculous. Can we, uh, how about the past week? Or uh, how about um, one particular day of last week? I wouldn't even go so far to, uh, on, on that <laughs> front. Um, I, I, I would be really curious. Uh, I'm glad they didn't lean too much on that because I would really love to know how many people watching this would even be aware of that. Like this I, was and, about as much as they, they were going to do. Like if we were even asking what they had put this match up in the very front of the show um, to be able to brag um, about whatever quarter hour it would have drawn. They didn't even attempt that and just kind of put this at the end. It, it's it was totally fine. Shinsuke Nakamura video with the subtitles. Basically, he is uh, he's stating that Cody better keep an eye open because our story doesn't end until I say so. It was pretty definitive the way it ended. Uh, so now he's hungry for the rumble and he's entering. He's going to feast on yeah. dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shane and Zoe Stark against Natalia and Tegan Knox. This was set up earlier in the day. Knox is uh, beaten down, sends Baszler off the buckle, hits a high cross and eventually makes the tag to Natalia who comes in Stark ducks a discus lariat and then Natalia caught the Z360 tried for the sharpshooter that was countered and then there's a discus lariat on Baszler followed by a PK from Knox for a two count Stark then yanks Knox to the floor stopping the heart attack and super kicks Knox Natalia goes for Stark on the apron and is caught in the Kirifuda clutch but she kicks off the rope tries to flip on top but Baszler keeps the submission hold applied and taps out Natalia in five minutes and 20 seconds um the heat wasn't there but i did think they they had a fine match for the five minutes that they had um just cold teams in a cold division yeah unfortunately good run up towards the finish but this match probably needed to be at a certain level um that really would have captured this crowd's attention and didn't get there next week it's the face-to-face with cody and cm punk valhalla against ivy nile ivar against chad gable and drew mcintyre and damian priest And then it is time for the main event Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal for the World Heavyweight Championship. And I thought Michael Cole was going to go there because the bell rings and his first words are an interesting tweet that was sent out by SmackDown general manager Nick Aldis, uh, wishing (laughs) Jinder Mahal good luck. Hmm. And uh, Indus Shear comes out with Jinder. Priest then comes out with the Money in the Bank briefcase as we go to commercial. And among the commercials I saw, Way, next Monday, it is the return of The Bachelor. I don't think it ever really goes away, John. Like they do, like three of these uh, a year. There's, there's, it, it, it's like it's Survivor. Here. Yeah, yeah, it's here for all the time. Yeah, man, did you you never watched Ted Lasso? Did you? No. God damn, what happened in season three? That's what I want to ask people. I've just started this season. It's just what hmm. happened? What happened? What happened? No, I don't know. Um, more interesting than this match. So Mahal applies an abdominal stretch and they cut to this close-up of Damian Priest who could not have looked more bored. And this was a complete look into the man's soul as he was watching this. It was a, a real reminder um, to just how how this this run was and what to- sort of toll it took on all of us watching Jinder have these sort of matches on a regular basis back then. No, yeah, he was he was hindered. And Rollins escapes. It's a high cross. He's dealing with Indashir. Hits a springboard swanton and follows up with the Cabrata. And Seth tweaks his knee and he's holding it. And they're mentioning, yeah, he has had knee problems before. I was like, remember when he had back problems? Remember when he was one bump away from paralysis? He's overcome that. 
Rollins hits a pedigree, but he comes down on the knee, so he can't go for the pin right away. When he does, Veer puts Jinder's foot onto the bottom rope, and then he leaps onto Veer, taking him out on the floor. Rollins wipes out, missing a frog splash, so Priest gets up, and he's teasing the cash-in. When Drew hops the barricade and brawls with Priest, Mahal lifts up Seth onto his shoulders and hits a gut buster for a two-count. Veer then distracts Sangha, sends a chair into Jinder, and then Veer hits Seth with the briefcase. It was like, how many things can we do to convince people Jinder might win this? And the briefcase shot leads to the Coloss. Seth kicks out, Indishir is ejected, and then a second Coloss gets countered, and Rollins hits the stomp to win in 13 minutes and 8 seconds. So um, I, I hope tomorrow there is a firm argument that low key this was a banger from some people this match was not that it was just <laughs> would argue well okay dude i promise you there will be people that will argue that this match um deserves uh praise um that Jim <laughs> okay. really showed out in these 13 minutes um dude it was for, for for a match that just you could not have predicted what could have happened that actually put some like momentum into a flat title match like that you could have come out here and just wowed everyone with. And this is what the performance was. It was just so lacking. Well, I, I will say like, I think um, contributors to the match do deserve, deserve praise, but gender wasn't one of them. You know, this was uh, anytime gender was in control. Like it was just not good. And again, reminded you about that period of title matches, but I feel like the structure of the match was about as uh, like resulted in about a, a, as best of a match as you could possibly get. I think out of, you know, gender Mahal in 2024, they found a way to convince you that gender might've had any sort of chance to win through in year through priest and whether or not intentionally this Seth Rollins knee injury, which uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about um, afterwards. Um, but Rollins, you know, like put it was put into danger i think you know for at least a split second convincingly throughout towards the end of this match and i think you know the the mark of success for this would have just been to convince the crowd of one particular near fall and i thought they got two of them here you know from both from the uh, lung blower as well as from the coloss so not a good match by seth Rollins standards but i thought to draw this level of interest in a gender mahal main event through whatever means that we got here uh, and then resulting even in a near fall, I thought I would consider like overall this to be an overachievement. Well, I, I just thought it was a at best um, standard 10 minute pro wrestling match on on an episode of Raw. Uh, the, the idea of doing an angle to bring this back at the Rumble, uh, I, was, I was glad we didn't have to go that way. No. It, it is an interesting no. Uh, question of whether Seth is going to be on this card or not uh, for, for the Rumble. Like maybe it's just surprising that they would hold him off of that show, but maybe they will, or they're just going to shotgun some challenger to set up. But I mean, man, you got one episode to do that and no tease here. And they didn't leave the door open at all for Jinder to come back with a rematch. With Roman defending, I could just see, you know, Rollins like sitting this one out um, and then maybe 
having a TV match or, or certainly defending it at, at, at the chamber. Um, so this came out during the show from PW Torch, Wade Keller here saying, uh, Rollins suffered a, a legitimate injury to his left leg late in his Raw main event against Jinder Mahal. Multiple T- PW Torch sources backstage at Raw say that he was helped to the back and eventually put weight on it. He is walking on his own, but with a definite limp, he will be further evaluated to determine the se- severity of the injury. Uh, all right, so... Well, we'll okay, see. well, something to monitor, certainly, if there was a, an actual injury in the match, which would be, yeah, potentially another knee injury uh, on top of it. would be terrible for the time of year, so maybe that'll, uh, especially maybe take him out of, you know, doing anything at the Rumble, but you know, hopefully it's not serious enough that'll affect any other plans. I, I didn't think it, it affected his performance too much in, in this match. Like, he, he looked his standard self. I mean, I thought it was selling, you know, just given how he, he used it in the actual uh, story of the match itself. With the yeah, pedigree. I, I mean, you, you you got like the Cabrata spot where he started like grabbing mm-hmm. the knee and then they did the pedigree, which was like a natural like follow up of like why he couldn't go for the pin. Like it totally felt uh, laid out, but maybe there was um, an actual injury in, in there <laughs> as well. But there you go. That was Raw on Monday night. And. I guess what was uh what were the highs and lows of Raw for you, Way? Did you know um that? Drew McIntyre, Cody Rhodes segment I thought was very strong. Um in terms of in-ring DIY versus um uh Dominic and, and JD was I thought a very good match. Um I think that was it for me. Yeah, like honestly disappointed by the R Truth, you know, Damien Priest stuff. Um at, at least in ring, the two women's uh tag team matches received very little reaction, and then you had probably overall a weaker main event, despite I think elevated interest from some of us. Ripley and Becky, I thought. A good segment, mm-hmm. odd timing, but a good segment regardless. Mm-hmm. So that was that was raw. One more episode until the Royal Rumble and next week it's a uh, CM Punk and Cody face to face. Will they have to um disclose text messages regarding each other over the years? Um, uh, I'd, I'd love to see that discovery. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have some super chats here from people that that are joining us live at youtube.com slash post wrestling. Uh, thank you very much for those of you watching us live and especially those of you who choose to send in a super chat of those William Rabb Jr. sends $2 just to let us know. Keller just reported that Seth injured his leg. Yes. Thank you very much for that. William. Let's go to Jake Olinar who sends $5. Thank you, Jake. He says, what do you think of the idea of a full TKO weekend in one city with the UFC pay-per-view one night, WWE PLE the next? Do you think we see that anytime soon? I mean, they've flat out said that they're looking to, to do this. It's going to be the, the key is getting the requisite site fee that makes it advantageous for them to do this. So I don't think it's a question of if it's just when and where where they go. Um, and what, yes. what, what sort of card will have enough crossover appeal to attract both audiences? Um, I don't think it's even necessarily that it's, um, I think you want to have, uh, not so much that it's just people buying tickets to both nights, but it's like, it's going to acquire enough, uh, tourism that you're going to have some that are going to go to one. And we don't even know what this will be. If it is like a SmackDown on a Friday, a UFC on a Saturday, um, like, what do you do with a like a pay-per-view because they're not both running on Saturday nights, which are their traditional nights. So, I mean, WWE could ship to Sunday. It will happen, um, but it's I, I don't see that happening here in the U.S. I think this would be like an overseas market that's going to spend a lot of money and are going to want to know what the fight card is in advance. Hmm. Thank you, Jake. Let's go to Brandon from New Jersey who sends $10 to say, yo, what up? Is this thing on? Anywho, my heater went. I need help to offset the cost or take off. Anywho, we outside right job. All right. Can you translate that to English? Mm. 
I, I don't speak New Jersey. Sorry. Okay. Let's go to Andy, who sends 100 rupees. Thank you, Andy. He says, if Seth can't make Mania, does a Drew or Sammy match for Punk feel as marquee? Or is the move to give him Cody presuming Gunther's tied with the IC title? I don't think we should be writing out uh, Seth at the at, at this moment. Too early to say. But okay, hypothetical. Jump in the gun. Um, I think you have a ton of great options. I think you have, um, as you mentioned here, Drew is in a prime position that you could do uh, Drew and Punk. You have, a posi- like, you... Ultimately, if if you have the rock and I mean, it it certainly does leave then Cody for something else as well. Mm-hmm. Like you have a lot um, you have a lot of players at the moment, like too many. You could argue for the spots that you have at at Mania. So I, I don't think this would be a uh, uh, again, I would reserve judgment on on Seth, though. Certainly, certainly. But let's say if, if that was the case, they have so many different options and of the options. I think Punk and Cody, like if people are going to be upset if we get, um, you know, Roman versus Cody delayed for another year. But I think a Punk Cody match is almost like a good enough consolation prize that people will forget about that. Um, that's probably the biggest match, in my opinion, you could make for that night. Again, if Seth is not around. All right. Thank you, Andy. Let's go on over to the feedback thread. And uh, Muggen writes, And Jinder Mahal rode the wave of relevancy, and it got him a main event, and it was a decent effort to stack the odds against Rollins. DIY against Judgment Day's B-team was better than it had any right to be, and it was a great showcase for what got Gargano over in NXT. New Day got a much-needed edge thanks to Imperium. The Becky-Rhea segment was aces, and I love that Cody Drew segment brought up a match they've had from What Culture Pro, which uh, he has included the link in here for everyone to go watch the 2017 match between the two. Thank you, Muggin. We got Anna Root who says, My 90 minute cut of Raw continues to be my favorite episode of wrestling television. The interesting characters in this year's Rumble have made it narratively dense. This is one of the best builds to a Rumble in recent memory. Unfortunately, the insertion of The Rock and his reigns as WrestleMania opponent means that CM Punk is the only viable option to win the whole thing. That being said, it feels like most of the, le- the legwork for all the matches other than KO and Logan has already been done, which makes TV feel a little bit like filler. I I totally disagree on like the the foregone conclusion for this year's Rumble. I think automatically when you have the two titles, it's all you're doing is trying to create like some level of, of doubt. And you could go with Punk. You could go with the other option. Like you could have Cody win. I think both those two alone, um, you can go either way. That if it comes down to Punk and Cody, that place will be electric because people will buy into either one winning that. Then you have like, again, I don't think it's a high probability, but I think they've positioned Drew at a place where he could believably win this match and be part of that main event picture. And you're going to have an audience that is still in the back of their mind going to up until number 30 comes out if you're getting a rock appearance. So Mm -hmm. right there you have, I would say, three strong options to win and an outlier in Drew McIntyre. And you cannot say that for too many years for the Rumble. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think there's an obvious choice and there's a favorite sort of um, outcome of, of this rumble, but there are a lot of ways that they can get to these WrestleMania programs without just going the, the most obvious route. So um, we'll see what they do. I'm sure it'll be a good match either way. Let's go to a Lopez or, or I'll do this one. John a Lopez says great episode of raw this week. I like the development of our truth involvement with the judgment day, as well as seeing the further push of DIY. I don't see them getting the tag title just yet, but I do hope that they're the next ones to have the tag titles since the crowd has taken it to them, has taken to them. It seems I'm honestly looking forward to seeing what Gunther's direction will be for me. 
WrestleMania, I would personally like to see him go in a singles match with Brock and really give him a bigger spotlight for that Mania crowd with somebody like Brock. Lastly, I'm excited for both Rumbles this year. I think it's Punk's match to lose for the men's side, but I find the women's match more interesting since I can see both Becky and Bailey winning. But I hope that it's Bailey in the end since I see the damage control match having more legs than Rhea and Becky. Um, Brock hasn't really been talked about much at all this um, Mania season. Do you see him being a part of the show? Yes. Yes, I think he'll be back and will be figured into something of significance going into that show. I guess the question will be if he is... Um, I mean, you you couldn't necessarily throw out the option that he he shows up at the Rumble, mm-hmm. yeah, like, and and that sets things up. Like he could be, uh, he could be in there as well. And and if he and if he's in there, like you're you're obviously gonna have people like it shouldn't be his year to 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 win it, but you're still gonna have that believability among people, especially live, um, in the moment watching uh, the match as well. So I I think they've done a great job building up this 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 Rumble. Like this has been. You know, different directions that they can go. And I, I think it's been a strong build so far. So there you have it, everybody. Uh, that is everything. A very busy show to get through. A ton of news, a packed weekend, and more to come. So later on this week, Way and I are going to be getting together on Thursday for the latest edition of Talk, which we do roughly every quarter. So this is going to be our chance to uh, catch up. Uh, I'm going to find out all the all the questions that I've been uh, writing down to ask Way for the last uh, three or four months that um, I haven't gotten around to asking him. Uh, this is the this is the show to ask him. I'm going to ask you about Ted Lasso season three. Oh boy, uh, if I can get through episode two, I'll, like these episodes are like 50 minutes long and they're just Jeez. It's been dreadful so far. And I really enjoyed the first two seasons. But anyway, we'll we'll talk more about Ted Lasso on Thursday. But that's coming your way. Um, also on the uh cafe this week, we are going to have uh rewind to SmackDown with I think a first time pairing with Wei Ting and Neil Flanagan, who will be reviewing SmackDown because uh I am going to be uh deep in UFC two ninety seven coverage this week. So I will be off Friday and then uh Saturday I'm covering the show and I'm gonna be doing a bunch of uh the audio updates this week on the cafe. Uh, from the various things that I'm covering for UFC 297 this week. Very exciting. Uh, also on our cafe feed, but for free for everybody who uh, goes to postwrestlingcafe.com, we have our latest editions of, of Postmarks, where uh, Bruce Lord, David Myers, talk to members of the post wrestling community, and the aforementioned Andy, uh, Andy B., will be featured on this particular episode that releases tomorrow. Again, postwrestlingcafe.com. You can listen to it for free uh, just by going to the site. And then on this weekend, um, MCU Later returns. WH Park, Rich Fan, talking about Echo, episodes one and two. (laughs) Very good. I believe we're releasing that one for free. John? Yes, that'll be a free release on Friday for everybody. And then they'll be continuing the, uh, the season on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So mm-hmm. there's a lot coming up this week. Karen and Bruce will have a, a new beginning in Nagoya review. We've got collision course. And then Sunday, uh, I'll be doing a UFC 297 review. And it'll be a bit different because I'll be covering it live. So I'm probably going to be having some uh, some clips and interviews in that review. And then Sunday night, it's what everyone looks forward to every month. The NWA podcast gets together with Nate, Andrew, and Chris. So packed weekend. The whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com and away and, and I will a be back. Huge thank you to everybody who helped out at Post Wrestling over the weekend, uh, delivering either podcasts or coverage on the website. Um, 
expect more weekends like this i suppose yeah i don't know how many we have in us but uh yeah it was a great great effort from everyone at the site we had all the shows covered some great reports up podcasts so a big thank you to the whole uh post crew and that is it for us so goodbye everybody as we give ourselves the hook bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.